0: Would you turn with me, please, to the book of Joshua. We are in this study, the Jordan River rules. Here were God's people on the precipice of entering into the promised land, and the Lord did give them some guidelines to follow, praise the Lord. And you and I know that the Lord wants us to know what it is on a personal level to experience victory in our relationship with the Lord and to grow and to mature and to walk in a fresh season of obedience to the Lord, a time of growth. I hope and pray, and I know it's God's will and God's plan that none of us remain stagnant in our relationship with Him. And so I I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open tonight. We're going to read in just a moment verses 10 through 18. But you have to know and you have to remember that these words that God gave to the people, they they were on the verge of entering into the promised land. You have to know that they felt some sort of anxiety about that. They felt probably an uneasiness about this opportunity that was staring them in the face. They knew there'd be opposition. And as I think about this, I think about June 6th, 1944. In the pre-dawn darkness of that day, you know it was D-Day. On that morning, In the darkness, a 22-year-old Californian, his name was Tom Rice, he stood in the doorway of his C-47 transport plane, which was carrying 18 paratroopers from the famed 101st Airborne Division. That plane, as well as dozens and dozens and dozens of others, flew over the English Channel. And as those paratroopers and as Tom Rice stood literally in the doorway with his left boot hanging over the edge of the plane, as they crossed the English Channel, they looked down into the darkness and they saw the shadows of the ships. Those amphibious landing ships, transport ships, and landing craft by the hundreds that were making their way across the English Channel. On board that plane, there was a red light, which when the red light came on, it meant you had eight minutes before the target's on. Then there was a white light, which meant to stand up and hook up. And then there was the green light, which obviously meant to jump. And that morning... Tom Rice, paratrooper number one, (laughs) he'd be the first one to jump when that green light came on. He, along with 13,000 American paratroopers who would jump behind enemy lines on D-Day, they all knew one thing fully well. If the accompanying assault by sea failed, if those men down below in those transport ships, if they failed to take the beachhead, they realized that for them, those paratroopers jumping behind enemy lines, there would absolutely be no rescue. So that morning while it was yet dark, the red light came on. Then the white light, then that green light came on and the jump master standing by the door screamed and hollered at Tom Rice, one word, (laughs) go. And with that, Tom Rice had to make that leap into the darkness, (laughs) not knowing fully well what he was going to encounter when his boots hit the ground or even if his boots would hit the ground. And so as I read this narrative tonight and about this event in scripture, I think to myself about these children of Israel who have been instructed for so much and so long. I mean the whole book of Deuteronomy is given to a restating of the law of God. These men and women, their ancestors, their ancestors were the ones who died in the wilderness. One writer said that at every stop along the way for these 40 years, the children of Israel were having a burial. And that's true. But now this is the generation. These are the men and women right here (laughs) with their left boot (laughs) kind of hanging in the doorway, the precipice of the promised land. Don't you know their minds and hearts were filled with all kinds of thoughts? And so the title tonight of the lesson is, it's time to step up to the moment. Step up to the moment. And I want to say to us, ladies and gentlemen, that as I look around the auditorium, and I do believe this is an opportune and appropriate study for this season for so many of you who are moving from one season of life into another season. We've talked about that in these two previous lessons the various seasons that we go into and the transition times in life that we experience. And so many of you find yourselves in that moment and God says, I want you to step up to the moment. Notice with me verse 10 in your Bible, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people. So he's going around and he commands these officers. That's an interesting word. These, these men who had been placed in charge of various groups by number. There was a ranking of leadership. Joshua instructs them to go instruct the people. And so they do. And this was the message from the Lord through Joshua, through these messengers, these leaders, to the people. Verse 11. Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Verse 12 is interesting. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But listen to this instruction But you shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor, and you shall help them until the Lord hath given your brethren rest. We're not going to talk about this tonight, but there's a whole message just in that one statement that, by the way, it's not just about you and I getting the victory and living our lives in victory and obedience. God is concerned that we be concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ that are around us. That's a whole other message, but I ain't going to talk about that tonight. But if I were, that's what I would have said. But anyway. And so look at verse 15. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the sir- Lord's servant, Servant gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua. And I love this response saying, all that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. And whosoever he be, now this is their response back to him. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, him, he shall be put to death. And their words back to Joshua, Only be strong (laughs) and of good courage. By the way, that's interesting to me because if you remember early on in the chapter when the book opens up, that's the words Joshua gave to them. And here they were responding favorably back to their leader trying to encourage him. That's a beautiful thing right there. The key verse in our lesson tonight is verse 11. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible or underlining or circling things, circle verse 11, these words that God told Joshua to tell to the leaders, the leaders tell to the people. Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. So I want to leave with you tonight three truths from this passage about stepping up to the moment. Truth number one, realize that God has brought you too far for you to mess up or for you to turn back now. God has brought you too far to mess up or turn back now. Now you say, Christian, is it possible for people to mess up? Yes, it's possible for people to mess up. People mess up all the time. People make bad decisions all the time. People turn back from following the Lord all the time. <laughs> but now's not the time for you to do it. Can I say this? There is never an opportune time or an appropriate time to turn back on the Lord. And what he's saying to them is, hey, you're right on the verge. (laughs) It's time for you to move in. I'm about to do something that's going to blow your mind. I'm about to duplicate a miracle that your father saw me do at the Red Sea. And now I want to do it for you. I have brought you this far. You get ready to go in. You get ready to experience victory I'm about to do something for you. Don't turn back now. You've come so far. You know what we say? And you've heard this before. Now is no time to what? Quit. And now is no time to turn back on the Lord or to quit. On September the 10th, 2016, some of you were watching this game. It was a football game between number two Clemson and Troy. And Clemson had a player. I think he was a wide receiver. I don't even want to mention his name in case uh, anybody might be kin to him. I don't know. I'm not slamming him or anything. You'll find out why in just a moment. But he was their punt returner. And in this game against Troy, it was a tight game. It was the first half. And the first half was kind of coming down near the end. And Troy punted. And the the, the returner uh, for Clemson got the ball, and buddy boy, he ran 75 yards. Now look, returning anything for a touchdown is like booyah. That's like, my hat's off to that person. Because first of all, you, you, you're not looking at anybody that's ever been fast at anything, okay? Except eating. <laughs> Certainly not running. <laughs> so I have mega respect for anybody that can run fast all right well this guy caught the ball on the 25 yard line and he took off and he evaded every Troy defender coming at him and he ran the ball back I started to say he ran it back for a touchdown except for one little minor point I mean when I say he blew everybody else off the field I mean, there was nobody within 10 yards of him. He was so fast. Well, right as he, in his mind, in his mind, he had already, he was crossing the goal line. What do you think he did? Right before, right before he crossed the line, he was so out in front ahead of everybody and so cavalier and so casual about carrying the football and he was showboating. They were playing at home and the student section was right there and he's running 75 yards. Everybody's going crazy and he's he's like the bomb you know he's and he gets right to the goal line and he does this with the ball. He just flips it up. And even the announcers, the commentators, the coaches, everybody, everybody in the stadium is like going bananas that he scored a touchdown until the white hat. You know who the white hat is, don't you? That's the head official on the field. My man blows his whistle and says, (laughs) the previous play is under further review. (laughs) And under further review, it was revealed He didn't score a touchdown at all. He actually fumbled the football because he tossed it up before he ever crossed the line. You see, here's what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. And and look, I know that's a silly illustration, but the children of Israel have traveled hundreds of miles, 40 years from Egypt through the wilderness that now they were ever so close to the promised land. Now was no time to turn back or to compromise or to not follow through with what the Lord told them. And do you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's easy to mess up when we're in between stages of life. We can easily take our foot off the gas, we would say. We can easily take a needless detour. We can take our eyes off the road when we feel comfortable and we just start cru- uh, just, just, just coasting. It's interesting, the little phrase in verse 11, within three days. In other words, in three days, you better be ready to move and move out. Three days. I'm not big on Bible numerology, okay? Some people are. And please, if you are, more power to you, okay? Um, But I do believe numbers at times in scripture, are important. It's interesting when you read the Old and the New Testament, how many times you see three days, a major event, three days. It's interesting to me. He says within three days, God was giving them time to seriously contemplate and prepare for this decision, this transition, And I want to encourage you to do this. Before making any major decision or undertaking, take some time. Take, and I say this in air quotes, take three days. Or take as many days as you need. And before we rush into a decision, before we rush into any transition, take some time to spend time in earnest prayer and spiritual reflection. You know, it's interesting that when we rest and when we take the time, resting can lead to poise and purpose, but rushing can lead to rash decisions and impulsive actions, and we've all been there, and when facing transition in life, take a deep breath Be still. Remember that he is God. Seek first his kingdom and get ready to step into the moment that God has in front of you. So truth number one is realize that God has brought you too far for you and I to turn back now. Statement number two. Respond to Jesus with a heart that says everything and everywhere. Now remember, gang, what he said in verse 12. Now listen to this. He says to the Reubenites, the Gadites, that's the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He gives them instructions that they too were to go with their brethren, the, the other ten and a half tribes, they were to cross over the Jordan. And they were to march and to fight and to grab their weapons along with their brothers. And they were to help them go conquer the land. Even though God through Moses had promised Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh that they could reside on the eastern side of the Jordan River the other 10 and a half tribes, they were given possession and they were given land and promised land on the western, the western bank, on the western side. From the western slope, from the, on the western side of the river, Jordan River, all the way to the, to the Mediterranean Sea. But God says, okay, I want you guys to be ready. You men, you, you the soldiers, the fighting men from Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, you can't just stay over here on the eastern side. You, I want you to go with your brothers, and I want you to fight, and you're not going to come back until all the land is conquered. Now, here's what's interesting. Here's their response. They basically say... In verse 12 down through verse 16, hey, we will do whatever you tell us to do and we will go wherever you send us. Now, I like that response. Now, here's what's interesting to me that Joshua, Joshua is a picture here in this story. He's a picture of the Lord Jesus in this event. You say, explain that. He represents the Lord. The name Joshua is the Hebrew In the Hebrew is Yeshua, which is transliterated as Jesus in English. Now, I'm not saying that Joshua was a manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament. No, Joshua was Joshua. But it illustrates something. It illustrates What should be our attitude when the Lord gives us instructions? You see, their attitude was, you know what? Yes. And basically, they really were saying, yes, Lord. Whatever you tell us to do, wherever you tell us to go, in fact, that's what they say. Whatever you want us to do, that's what we're going to do. And wherever you send us, we're going to go there. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, is that not the heart of every true Christian? Should that not be our hearts and our desires? Lord, I'll do whatever you say. I'll go wherever you send me. I love their response. Whatever, wherever. You see, it is vital that you and I have hearts that put no qualifications or limitations on the instructions of Jesus to us, but that we say, Lord, whatever you say and wherever you send me. You see, our future isn't a matter of our own autonomous ambition. It's a matter of submission to the perfect will of God. The self-focused life is a wasted, misguided life. Listen to the words of J. Hudson Taylor, that great missionary to China. He said this, listen to this, let us give up our work our thoughts, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones if necessary, our influence, are all, give up our all right into his hands. That's the hands of the Lord. And then when we have given all over to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about or to make trouble about. So the question I have to ask us, and the Holy Spirit is asking me, have you come to that place where you say, Lord, whatever and wherever? Like, wait a minute, Christian. I'm a seasoned believer. I've been saved for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. But are you still, is that still your spirit? Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Lord, if you tell me to uproot and to move, I'll do it. God, if you tell me to pack up my family and to go train and to go to the regions beyond, I'll do it. I'm not going to put qualifications on you, but old ladies and gentlemen, we're good at that. We're good at writing out our plans and then we sign our name at the bottom of the page and we Flip that puppy around and we slide it across the table. And we want Jesus to take his pen and sign his name down at the bottom, too, like he's kind of sanctioning and putting a check mark by our plans. You know, beloved, that's not the heart of a disciple. The heart of a disciple, the heart of a true follower of Jesus, is basically to slide across to Jesus a blank piece of paper and let's, let's let Jesus write on the paper whatever he wants to write and let's let him slide it back over to us. And then let's sign it. Say, Lord, whatever you put on the paper, that's what I'm going to do. Is that your heartbeat? Is that your desire? Even in the senior years of life for some of you? In the younger years of life for some of you? In the middle ground for some of us? I hope today as a 51-year-old man, I hope I still have even more zeal and passion and humility and desire like I did when I got thoroughly right with Jesus as a 13-year-old boy. And I hit the altar at a teen camp about an hour and a half from here. And I said, Lord Jesus, here's my life. I still want him to have my me in my life. I still want to offer myself to him every single day. That's biblical Christianity. Is that your spirit? You see, everything changes when God has all there is of us to have. Ian Thomas said, all there is of God is available to the person who is available to all there is of God. (laughs) In other words, the Lord moves heaven and earth to reveal himself to the person that holds nothing back, but says to God, Lord, here am I. I place myself in your hands every single morning, every single day. And oh, what a great prayer it is to pray, dear one, before your feet ever hit the floor in the morning and your first conscious thoughts are to say, and oh, may God help it to be where we say, Lord Jesus, before I even get up today, I offer myself to you afresh and anew. May God make it so. And then this last thought, this last truth We've learned that we need to realize that he's brought us too far to turn back. We need to respond to Jesus with a heart that says everything and everywhere. And then this little thought before we pray. Remember that Jesus has given us all the resources we need to experience victory and success. Every single thing, here it is, gang, every single thing the children of Israel needed from day one. And we see that in verse 11. He says, all right, I want you to prepare victuals. Now, what were victuals? You're like, oh, that's food. Well, it is food, but it even goes beyond food. It literally means, the word means provisions. Adam Clark said this was necessary as they were about to undergo considerable fatigue in marching and in making preparations for the passage of the Jordan. God says, hey, I want you to pack up some stuff. I want you to prepare for the journey. But isn't it awesome that God had already given them everything they would need to pack up? Most likely they had gathered certain types of food and provisions from the conquered areas as well as the daily manna, by the way, that one's supposed to be saved or carried over from one day to the next. But the Lord provided all of that. They didn't have to hunt around is what I'm trying to say. They didn't have to hunt around for what they were going to use or take. God had already given it to them. Matthew Poole said they were allowed when they had opportunity to purchase other provisions and did so according to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Notice how the Lord went before them and provided for them whatever they would need before they even knew they needed it. But isn't that exactly what the Lord does for us today? Ladies and gentlemen, before we even know we have a need, aren't you glad Jesus already has the answer on the way? I close with this truth, with this verse, with this reminder. Philippians 4.19. But my God and your God, here's the promise, shall supply all of your need. How? According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You say, preacher, I don't know what I'm going to need tomorrow. Oh, beloved, I don't either. But you don't have to know what you need tomorrow. I don't have to know what I need tomorrow because your father already knows. And guess what? He already has a truckload of whatever it is already on the way for you. And his mercies and his blessings are what? New. Everything. Single morning to the glory of God. What do you need tonight? I don't know. What you may need might be different from what I might need. But I can tell you this. If it's a legitimate need for you, your Heavenly Father has already prepared it. And it's already on the way. Whatever it is. Rejoice in that. And be resolved to say to him every morning and every day and in every season, whatever and wherever.